creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, MCMD is joined by Kay Hanahan. Kay Hanahan is a WSU professor, Fulbright scholar, and documentary filmmaker. We learn more about her life and working from home as a new mother, as well as teaching students she's never met in person. Learn more about the journey that led her here, right here on Culture Click. Well, my name is Kay Hanahan, and I'm new to Winona State this year. I'm um, a assistant professor in the Mass Comm Department, and I'm currently located in Minneapolis. If you had to come up with a radio name, what do you think it would be? Well, my Dropbox name is DJK, which is pretty simple, but I'll go with DJK. That's nice. That's, that's <laughs> nice. Some people are really challenged when I hit them with that. <laughs> I, I should change my Dropbox to a more professional name <laughs> since I use it these days for more professional things. But <laughs> um, What do you think of the radio as a medium in comparison to others that you've worked with? Ooh, I love the radio. It's, I think actually Marshall McLuhan said that it's a, the most intimate uh, format medium that there is. And it's just like someone's whispering to you in your own home, which I really love. And I'm, I mean, I'm a very visual person, but um, I also think that in video, sound is the forgotten sibling of image and sound is as important, if not more important, because if you have bad sound, no one is going to watch your video. But if you have a bad image, people will usually stick around for a little bit longer. But if your audio is terrible, like no one's going to stick around. So I think um, I'm really excited by the um, kind of how podcasts have been taking off and the radio has really had a second life these days with um, becoming digital and podcasting and everything. So I think it's an exciting time for radio. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and some of the projects you're most proud of. Um, let's see. Well, I'm working on two films now. Um, I'm editing a short documentary about the village that I lived in as a Peace Corps volunteer, which is a minority Muslim village in the Rodopi Mountains in Bulgaria. And it's um, structured by the five calls to prayer. And so I shot that geez, now maybe 2016 and I'm just getting around to the edit of it. So I'm working on that film and I'm also trying to finish my Fulbright film that I shot last year, which is, um, it started off as a structural film about, um, the uniformity of socialist style block apartments and how based on the individual, um, the insides are unique based on people's material culture versus um, the structure of the building. But then when I was there, there was a lot of interesting things happening um, with the government and um, there was a huge media takeover. So it's kind of become more about Victor Orban's media takeover and the media that streams through these apartment units. So I'm trying to finish that. And then my last film, which I'm really proud of. It's called Altamir, and that's a short documentary about um, extreme population decline and economic migration in Eastern Europe 
And um, that screened in a lot of cool places. Like I traveled to Ukraine to screen it. And uh, I shot it in Bulgaria. I screened it there and in Montana. And I traveled to lots of festivals and stuff. So that was really cool. So, yeah. But now I'm just working on these two other ones to finish them. And um, that's always so challenging to finish things, especially while teaching and all the other things that life throws at us. So hopefully by the end of this year, I'll have those finished. Uh, and tell us a little bit more about your Peace Corps experience. I've known some people who said that that's, you know, totally changed their life sort of irrevocably. Would you say the same? Yeah, I would. I think that um, when I joined the Peace Corps, and actually it's funny, it, it's changed back to the way that it's structured now. Um, or it's changed. So when I joined, you couldn't choose where you wanted to go. So you would just um, sign up and then they would choose where you where they would send you and what you would be doing. But um, before COVID, they had changed it to um, where you could choose where you go and you could choose what you did um, based on your experience. But now since COVID, they're not sure like which countries are going to open when. So now it's back to the way where you just sign up to go. And I think that's kind of a cool um, part of the program because I would have never chosen to go to Bulgaria. But um, because I was sent there, I learned so much about the culture and Peace Corps training is incredible. The way that they um, train you in the first three months, they send you to small, our group was 63 people and they split us up into groups of three and four and then put us around this hub city in tiny villages and we lived with families and then they send a teacher to live in the, in this small village with you during training. So it was me and two other Peace Corps volunteers and our private teacher. And we all lived in this tiny village and studied Bulgarian for five hours a day and studied how to become teachers. And then after those three months, then they send you to your permanent site for two years. And um, then you feel like really equipped from the training to just kind of settle in. And the first year you learn a ton and you really get better to actually put into place and make a difference and change some things or start some projects in the second year. So the first year is just kind of integrating into the community and becoming friends with people and getting really um, fluent in the language. And then the second year you can really enact a lot of change because you have those community relationships and you do speak the language. So I know a lot of people are turned off by the two year commitment, but it really goes by fast and it's kind of essential to um, making sustainable change. So I would highly recommend it. And if anyone wants to talk to me further about it, I would love to. And my husband is actually the Peace Corps recruiter at the U of M. So um, he can also, he's also a great contact if anyone's interested. His name's Tyler Hurley. And you can find him on the website. Awesome. Um, yeah. Can you share with us a Bulgarian idiom? Oh, let's see. Well, they have this word in Bulgarian that, called negosti and it literally means like to go guesting and they um really like their cultures they really pride themselves on hospitality so if you go negosti um you usually should bring something to the house and there's like a minimum time period where you have to stay like for at least like four hours you have to stay there and if you like try to leave early you can never leave without people saying oh stay longer stay longer and um, people will just bring out like their best. A lot of in my village, um, most people grew everything 
that they consumed in the winter in their gardens in the um, summer and fall. So they'll bring out their like finest jarred goods or um, some meat that they jarred. And just uh, you'd really have really get to know people because you would sit in their um, spaces, sometimes in their bed, like they don't have couches there. So you'd like sit in their beds and just um, talk for four hours. So it was a really good way to learn the language and uh, get to know people. And so I feel like I kind of miss that in American culture. You can definitely overstay. You're welcome in, in like an hour here. So <laughs> um, that's a really nice part of Bulgarian culture. Tell us a little bit about your Fulbright experience. Do you think that the Peace Corps sort of prepared and was like an important prerequisite to it, or was that something that happened uh, separate? Um, I think that, well, I've always been interested in traveling and um, learning about other cultures and not just learning about them, but also like integrating into them. And I think that Peace Corps um, really makes that a priority in the program. And so once I uh, learned how integrated you could become in a culture that was at once super foreign to you, I like have a new understanding of what I want to get out of traveling or um, how I want to integrate or learn about another culture. So Fulbright was a really cool opportunity to um, make a film, which, you know, like usually you don't have nine months to make a film. Um, so it was just nine months that I could dedicate to making a film. But the um, challenge in Hungary was that it was only for nine months. And um, Hungarian language is like no other. It's like the closest language to it is Finnish. But um, it's one of those languages that has like zero other languages on its like family tree. So it was really challenging to learn and especially in nine months. And then in Fulbright too, I wasn't living with a family or anything. I was living in a socialist style apartment block and I thought I would meet people in my block to film, but it turns out that people are super private and um, in blocks, especially they're made. So you don't really see anyone else. So um, it was challenging to integrate into Hungarian culture, especially because I was in Budapest, which is like a huge city and had lots of foreigners. Um, and so in the end, I did find about nine people to film with, but I would say that my footage, I wasn't, I mean, I guess I assumed that it would be as intimate. I wanted it to be as intimate as the footage that I shot in Bulgaria for my last documentary, but it definitely wasn't that intimate because I didn't get to know people um, really on like a deeper level. And it, a lot of it felt kind of superficial, but at the same time, it kind of works for so then I had to kind of change the format of the film. And that's kind of what you have to do with filmmaking, no matter what is what you think it's going to be is never what it is. And then you just have to adapt. So in the end, I think it's going to work out. But um, it was really challenging in um, Budapest to um, get to know Hungarian culture the way that I really wanted to. So, um, but yeah, Fulbright is also different because you... Um, propose a project and you just work on that project the whole time. So it's less about like integration and most people go there to, you know, work in the archives or to, to work on their own projects. And so it's more kind of, I would say um, you put yourself in your research first before integration or community development or anything like that. Whereas Peace Corps was 
really about um, the community and making the world a better place. So I really love that about the Peace Corps. Interesting. So I'm getting sort of the sense of immersion and how you kind of throw yourself into projects. So what's your sort of current project? What like what are you up to now? Mm. So now I'm trying to, well, I've moved back to Minnesota after being gone for 10 years. I grew up in Minnesota. And um, I'm working on starting this project called Ford Upon, which I actually learned about in Hungary. And it started in Hungary. And it's um, a digital archive that um, is curated and collects amateur photos from the 20th century and puts them on this like easy um, to navigate timeline. And they, the photos are high res and there's a creative common license. So anyone can download them and reuse them for their art or their lectures or however they want to use them. So um, I'm trying to start, there's a Ford upon Minnesota, there's a Ford upon Iowa, which is doing the same thing. And I um, have a few friends there. So I'm going to try to start the Ford upon Minnesota project. So um, just gathering and scanning photographs from amateur photographers from the 20th century and then making that um, kind of a shifting the paradigm of the archive because usually the archive is like there's gatekeepers and they only allow so many things and you have to use like white gloves to look at the photographs but the idea is just to like put it out there on this website and um, allow anyone to see these photos and use them in any way they want so I'm working on that now I'm uh, presenting with Ford upon Iowa at a conference next um, month and then I'm just kind of looking for um, grant money to start it, which is always how it works. But that's kind of what I'm thinking about now. And then trying to finish these two films as well. Interesting. And is that all at home? Yes. Yes. In my home office. Slash guest bedroom. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about working from home, sort of what that balance is like, how it kind of changes your dynamic, how it changes how you perceive work? Um, I would say that I've always kind of, before teaching, I did a lot of freelance work. So I've always kind of worked a lot from home and I've had very few jobs that I've had to go to a certain place from like nine to five. But I always do think that those jobs are so much more draining because you have the commute and one of the, um, jobs I had was like on a corporate campus so you had to eat lunch on the campus as well so it was just like almost felt like a prison you had to be in this like space from nine to five and um, I really love working from home because you don't have to commute on like a 15 minute break you can throw a chicken in the oven and have like a roasted chicken for dinner Um, there's just a lot of flexibility on where to work. I could work in the porch or in the basement or wherever. And I'm a new mom too. So, um, my baby is here with me and my mom is watching him with my husband full time. So I also get to take breaks and see him in between classes and things, which is really nice because I think a lot of women feel like going back to work, the pull between work and family and think working from home is just a really um, nice it's a more balanced way to live life so I'm actually pretty 
um, feeling very lucky to be working from home right now with a new baby too. Do you find it harder to practice sort of self-love and empathy in a work from home environment or do you find it harder to self-motivate? Um, I think, you know, I think the thing about working from home is you always are working. You get, It's hard to start it off. So I feel like in that regard, it's probably um, not as healthy, but I think that um, motivation is, I, I never feel like it's hard to motivate because I feel really comfortable. I think it depends on your space too, you know, like I was just living in a two-bedroom, a tiny two-bedroom apartment. I moved to a little bigger space now, so it's easier to just shut the door and um, have time to focus. But, um, yeah, I think a good cup of coffee in the morning always motivates me. And um, But working from home, yeah, it's, it's hard to turn work off. I think that's maybe one of the negatives. But I think that's always kind of the case with teaching anyway you know you're grading at night or the weekends or there's always so much to do especially um, when you're new and having to prep all the materials as well so I think that's just part of the job and sort of turning that around you find it harder to be empathetic or harsh on virtual students (laughs) no I feel like um, I know that we're all dealing with so much stress right now and um, I try to really be flexible with students and meet them where they are in the course. And um, I think that that's important as long as they're learning the material and getting their assignments into me when they can. um, That's all that is really the matters to me. And um, so, yeah, I always try to meet my students, especially now. I know there's a lot of different formats for classes and I mean, Even I'm new to D2L this year as well, and so I know that navigating D2L can be confusing. And um, yeah, always, I think that students deserve a a break as well during the pandemic. Hmm. Um, Is there a new quarantine habit that you gained that you didn't expect? Oh, new quarantine habit. Let's see. Or is there sort Not of really. a freedom that you like didn't expect, like going to the grocery store at a certain time, like a, a new thing that you really, new benefit that you really enjoy from this sort of asynchronous time? Hmm. Well, I think that um, for teaching, um, I'm thinking about delivering content in a new way for students um, mm. to be more flexible. So this idea that you have to watch a lecture all together at the same time doesn't really make a lot of sense to me anymore when it can be recorded and you could watch it at at your own time. So I guess I'm thinking about different ways to deliver course material uh, asynchronously, even during a synchronous class. And it's also nice for students to like watch back to refer to the lecture when it's recorded. So um, I guess I never really thought, I never really like wanted to teach online, but now that I've been forced to teach online, I'm actually really enjoying it. And I feel like, I don't know, you tell me, Matthew, but I feel like we have a good uh, rapport in our class and it feels like a an intimate class, even though we're on Zoom. Yeah, it's nice. I'm glad that we have, I mean, it would be different if we had like 20 people, but it's nice that it's very yeah. cooperative. Yeah, that's true. 
so yeah, I'm really enjoying teaching online. I guess that's a surprise. Okay. What is it like teaching students that you've never met in person? What What is it like teaching students that I've never met? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would definitely prefer to meet people in person. And I think that Zoom um, kind of cuts down on that, like, pre-chatter during the class that you usually have before the class starts. And that's a really good way to get to know students more um because i feel like on zoom it's like when you're there everyone's muted and there is kind of like a stinted way to communicate sometimes via zoom so um i think that in my asynchronous um print and web production class i had everyone do flipgrid videos and that was a really great way to get to know my students and to see them even though we're asynchronous so i think there's a lot of great tools out there that um we can use now to make our classes more intimate and to get to know each other better. But I do think that meeting in person is always probably better to get to know one another on a, on a deeper level than zoom. Is this your first official sort of teaching job, I guess, position? Um, I was an adjunct. Um, professor at Temple University before um, this job, and I'm also an adjunct at Metro State right now. So I've had a few other teaching jobs before, but this is my first full-time job as a teacher, as a professor. How is teaching journalism different than participating in it? Hmm. Um, I think teaching it really lets you see like the big picture. It's actually really nice teaching it and being reminded of certain things that I've learned along the way, but maybe aren't in the forefront of my mind when I'm making something. And a lot of journalism is just kind of reacting to what's happening, especially video journalism, what's happening right in the moment. And so teaching it kind of allows me to sit back and think about it um, in a new way without it actually unfolding right before me in the second. And then, thinking about it in the edit or wherever. So, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying thinking about lesson planning and um, kind of the arc of the semester and all the different topics that we can get into. Have you ever visited Winona before? You know, I played tennis in high school, and I think the last time I was in Winona before accepting this job was for a tennis tournament in high school. That so it's a, been a while. <laughs> what a connection. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> what do you think is most unique about Winona State University from the sort of at an arm's length that you're at right now? Hmm. Well, I think that um you know, I've only I've only visited once right before um this all happened. It was during COVID, so there wasn't a lot of things going on on campus, but just from meeting the students, I think the students are a unique group of people from um, all over and a lot from the Midwest. And I think too, I mean, I I know that you are like this, Matthew, just, I feel like there's a lot of like outdoorsy um, kind of people drawn because of the beautiful, drawn to the campus because of the hills and the beautiful surroundings. So that's kind of a, um, I think the student body is what's unique to Winona State. Hmm. 
And what's it like coordinating with a department that you've never really worked with or met in person? Yeah, that's challenging. We have department meetings, so we see each other on Zoom. Um, but everyone's working from home right now, so it's not like I'm the only one that's uh, working remotely. So um, we all just kind of catch up during department meetings, and then I'll follow up with people um, individually if I have questions or, um, you know, I talked to Doug a lot about the equipment. And so, yeah, we, I feel like very, they've been very welcoming, even though it's uh, the pandemic and you can't just pop your head into the office to, in someone else's office to ask a question. I think that's maybe the most challenging part about being new is like, usually I would just walk down the hall and ask some questions, but then instead you have to like set up a zoom meeting. It seems like so formal, but um, I think everyone's kind of in that same boat right now. So you just got to do your best and keep going. And how does working from home affect your family dynamic? Do you think it's been a net positive or is it just a big change? I mean, what's the adjustment period to like that? Yeah, I love it. I like, you know, the other jobs that I had during a lunch break, I would just sit by myself or, um, go out and get some lunch, but I love eating lunch with my husband and my baby. And, um, you know, so many jobs, you spend like more time with your coworkers than you do with your family. And I feel like working from home actually lets you, um, spend more time with your family. So I'm really enjoying that as well. If COVID were to end tomorrow, what would you do first? <laughs> um, let's see. That's a great question. I would probably go to a go on a date with my husband because I had uh, our baby Duke the day before the pandemic hit. So he was born on March 10th, and the pandemic was declared on the 11th. So when we got out of the hospital. There was like no toilet paper on the shelves and everything started to close. So we really haven't been on like a normal date to a restaurant since we had the baby. So we probably go to like a nice restaurant and um, sit indoors and not worry about getting COVID-19. That is so (laughs) unique. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, the simple things in life. That's what the pandemic's really teaching us, right? Wow. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I think the best advice I've ever received, or I don't know if ever anyone gave it to me, but I've maybe read it somewhere, is that you should always make, in the creative arts, you should always make what you want to make and not worry about what other people think about it because... Um, there's this situation where Jane Campion made this film. Gosh, when was it? I think it was like the late seventies, maybe early eighties. And she was in film school and her professor said it was like garbage and it was terrible. And then she went on to win um, the Palme d'Or at the, at the Cannes Film Festival. And she's been the only woman to win the award um, to date. So, I think you got to stick to what you know and what you want to make and not listen to what other people think you should make or be changing or doing. Hmm. And uh, Listen to your inner creative voice. 
Hmm. And uh, final question. If you could place a call to the 20-year-old Kay and give her some advice, what do you think it would be? <laughs> um, I would say, like, if you know what you want to do, just do it and don't be afraid. Because I knew that I wanted to make films. Even in high school, I wanted to make films and um, documentary films. But I didn't know anyone who made documentary films. So I was just thought, like, that normal people didn't make films and so I studied anthropology and um I don't know what I was into with anthropology but I always like kept it in the back of my mind and then in the Peace Corps actually I made this super simple film and showed it at our um Peace Corps um talent show and there happened to be a production company scouting talent for this reality tv show in Bulgaria so they hired me as a director I was like, oh, I should go to film school now. So I, then I went to film school and learned how to make nonfiction films. But I wish I would have. And that was when I was in my late 20s. So I really wish I would have done it earlier and pursued it earlier and um, just found a way to do it. So if you know what you want to do, just do it and don't be afraid to go a different path um, and and learn as you do. Wow. That's a crazy journey. I know, I know, isn't it? It's that's a good story. <laughs> awesome! So, thank you so much for joining me. Um, this is gonna be this is gonna be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Great! Thanks for asking me to be on the radio, and I'm so happy that you're um, a part of the radio because that's also something that I wish I would have done in college is work for the radio. So, hmm. keep doing it. Thanks again to Kay Hanahan for joining us today. It was amazing to meet her and learn about her journey that led to Winona State. To see her work, check out khanahan.com. And to stay in the loop about everything going on in the Winona area and beyond, tune into Culture Click Thursday at 1230 on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Matt Drury, and we've just heard documentary filmmaker and WSU professor Kay Hanahan on Culture Click. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click. Do you want to know about all things Winona and the surrounding area? Tune into Culture Click Thursdays at 12:30 right here on 89.5 KQAL. Culture Click is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.